let you introduce our next guest. Uh, they are in California with us, so we're in the same time zone. So Brad, on to you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, very much looking forward to this as well, because uh, we're going to talk about Aviate. And um, you can go to their page at epartrade.com uh, e and connect with them directly. And throughout this conversation, I want to remind folks again that if you want to ask a question, if, uh, if there's something that you want to know, hit it in the chat feature. And we'll definitely get to you. So uh, joining us, John Schwartz, president of Aviate, and Jack Sparks, former president of Carilla Industries, is our guest. And uh, John, I'll start with you. Um, I can easily read the description of the company and all of that. But I think uh, you probably have a, a, a much better uh, passion for it. And I will say this, um, this is also a story of having a product that you believe in um, and okay. for you to be able to keep this company uh, and, and really save the company at one point in its life and keep it going. is just fantastic. Well, not very good, I guess. We had it working before and I got my camera up and I got a picture of me on here, but I, uh, that's all I know. <laughs> we can hear you, Jack. We just can't see you right now. Okay. So. <laughs> so, that may be better. <laughs> well, well, while you figure out the camera part of it, uh, I'll ask John to talk a little bit about the company and, and uh, just the product offerings for racers and, and why this is truly something that they need to have at the front of mind uh, in consideration when it comes to taking care of their engines. No, the, well, basically, we're a 60-year-old company. We originally founded by uh, a gentleman out what? of the uh, commercial aircraft industry. Who liked to race boats and discovered that if he modified his oil pans, his engines didn't blow up. And sooner or later discovered that people would pay him for those oil pans and figuring that that was not a bad thing, he started Aviate Oil Systems. And, you know, we primarily come from the premise that, you know, lubrication system is basically the vascular system of an engine. And our primary purpose is to lubricate Secondary purpose is a lot of is basically to provide a significant component of the cooling that goes on in the engine. But fundamentally, the delivery of the oil to the bearing surface is the primary mission of the oil pump. Uh, beyond that, there are a number of factors into the indication. You know how much oil pressure is appropriate for the implicate. You know for the application, what type of oil you're using, what temperature will the oil be used at, what it should be used at all you know qualitative issues but you know the biggest you know issue for motorsports is being able to deliver that pressure in a consistent and reliable manner to support the app you know the requirements of the engine now i'm blessed the event. wait a second <laughs> you know people ask us the question constantly it's kind of like um you know what do i need to build my oil system you know what do i need for my engine well that's really the purview of the engine builder and, you know, he's the only person that sees all the component parts, how they fit together, you know, how it's all working and understands, hopefully, what it, is, what it is he's trying to do with them. You know, what we have is the breadth and depth of components and experience that can really fine tune a lubrication system to particular application. But basically, what we're delivering is advice, you know, maybe awfully good advice, Sometimes it's not really, you know, really particularly uh, the right advice sometimes, but, uh, you know, it's, it's up to the engine builder to give us the correct, to give us the correct uh, information. That's really all of it is knowing and understanding what we need. Now, a lot of times we hear something like, 
I need more volume, I don't need more pressure, vice versa. Well, fundamentally, these are positive displacement pumps. Uh, you turn the pump, it's gonna move the oil, but you can't make the pressure without additional volume given the hole that you're pushing against. So you have the displacement of the pump, you have a number of RPM the pump's gonna turn, that's your gallons per minute flow. Um, what it's doing, it's pushing that oil down a pipe that is essentially got a hole at the end of it. That hole at the end of it is a sum total of all the clearances of the bearings, all the orifices inside the block, all the spray jets, you know, the cooling jets, the lifter, all of this can be defined literally as a single hole against which we push oil. And to the extent that we don't push a lot of oil and just flows through that, you have no pressure. But to the extent that we then build RPM, build output, we can't get all the oil to flow through the hole at the same time. It's kind of like the hourglass phenomena, you know, the only so many grains go through at a particular time. The extent you exceed that flow, you build pressure. So then we have a regulator assembly built into the pump that helps the both, you know, basically kind of control that pressure at a given pressure set point. And what usually ends up happening if you exceed that pressure set point, even the bypass port has a given, you know, capacity. Once you exceed that, you lose control of pressure. And well, what we find out is that you've mismatched the pump to the engine. So, you know, you've got to understand the output of the pump. You have to understand the, the, the requirements of the engine. We basically offer 10 different, you know, pressure capacity, output capacities that give us the capacity to flow from four gallons a minute to 40 gallons a minute and more for the given application, whether it be a 60 horsepower Suzuki three-cylinder road racing car running on a private course in India or a 6,000 horsepower, 650 cubic inch John Deere with, you know, stage turbochargers and superchargers, you know, that we've got to push 40, 50 gallons a minute at at 200, 225 pounds of pressure. So there's a lot to it. You know, we start with things like um, the kind of oil you're going to use. Well, are we talking about synthetic? Are we talking about you know, uh, petroleum-based, so we get a lot of applications that are mineral oil-based now. I mean, it's not your old, throw the old Kendall GT40 at it and everything works and it's fine. So, you know, there's a lot of fine tuning going on in the oil world today. And this is really, again, an understanding of what goes on when rubber meets the road or the oil hits the bearing surface, which is essentially, why I know people like Jack and of course, you know, the late Sonny Bryant, you know, that's the nexus of the whole thing. I've got a crank, I've got a rod, and I'm the guy that's stuck with putting something in to paint them, keep them from turning into a pile of slag art. So. That's why I was most, I considered myself the most persecuted individual in the motorsport industry, because if you look at uh, the number of failures that unfortunately usually with television, what's the first thing that said? I lost the rod. And 90% of the time, and that's conservative, had nothing at all to do with the, the rod, the structure or anything. It was how this gentleman did or did not uh, come to the plate and supply oil to support the connecting rod or any of the other bearings in the engine. That's, I think that's what developed our relationship was the adversity of the association. <laughs> I can, oh. Yeah, we throw a lot of darts back and forth, but 
Anyway, when you pick an oil pump, you know, the pressure pumps where we start, you've got things to consider like the operating RPM range, the torque and house power, power, power curves that you're operating in. Operating client, you know, climate, are you running a, a river boat in February, uh, you know, somewhere where the water's just above freezing? Are you out in the Sahara? Um, uh, contamination by fuels, you know, you're running something on methanol and you're diluting the fuel in continuous time. Duration of the event, you know, it's one thing to go an eighth of a mile. It's another thing to go seven miles flat out at Bonneville or 24 hours relatively flat out at Le Mans. So, I mean, this all comes into configuring what it is we're going to build into an oil pump, you know. We offer things like cast iron, cast iron housings nowadays for these ultralight, you know, low viscosity fuels, you know, zero weight oils, negative weight oils, trying to keep, you know, minimize the uh, thermal expansion differential between the housings and the gear sets, all again, to be able to maintain a consistent supply of oil at a defined pressure over the duration of the event. So, Let's you know, <laughs> There's, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that part of it. And uh, now most motorsports, we find that, well, in one form of motorsports, in particular drag racing, we find that we can get away with a single stage externally mounted oil pump. And why an externally mounted pump? The internal pumps are fine. I mean, you used to be able to go buy the high performance Chevrolet, high performance Ford, high performance Chrysler. And they, you know, they were fine for the day. Where we've come to today with the RPM limits, the power output, I mean, everything's plus five, you know, 500 horsepower plus. A uh, lot of the operating conditions, tell me a Corvette that doesn't run at 300 degrees oil temperature nowadays. You know, you know we're really looking at, um, you know, what can we do where we know what we can do. Drag racing, we know where the oil's going, it's going to the back of the oil pan make sure that that pickup's covered in oil, life is good. Unfortunately, you know, now with the advent of 500, 600, 700 cubic inch engines, and of course we want our center gravity as low as possible. So, you know, as long as I can keep that oil pan under five inches, with, you know, <laughs> where all of the internal components add up to about 4.75 inches, um, it doesn't work anymore. You simply can't store enough oil underneath the chassis underneath the engine, protect it sufficiently from the turbulence. I mean, imagine a, a typical, you know, small block Chevrolet uh, crankshaft spinning at 7,000 RPM. You can calculate that you're talking about a 200 mile an hour plus tornado. And the oil is supposed to drip down from the valley, wheedle its way through there, fall into the sump and go, oh my gosh, there's the pickup, let's go. You know, so, and... Well, people wish. <laughs> so, you know, pretty much everything else we've determined that we really can't leave it underneath the engine anymore, which is where the typical dry sump comes in. And we've got a lot of applications that actually leave the, the pressure pump inside the engine. We do a lot of LS engines where it's internal pumps. We do a lot of really interesting combination with internal pumps. But still, we want to take the oil out of the engine, out from underneath, out of the sump, run it to a tank. The advantage is we can keep more oil in the system. I mean, if you're running a 24-hour race or you're running in NASCAR where you can't add oil in the 500-mile race, you've got to be able to you know, drag around five, six gallons of oil. Um, we could put a hydraulics, you know, hydraulic vertical column in place 
where the, the pressure of the oil standing in that column forces air out of the oil. We have baffling mechanisms inside. We provide a perforated inlet tube that creates lots of surfaces across which oil can fall, which precipitates the release of air out of the oil, whether it's entrained air or just bubbles that are coming back with it. Uh, we've got venting mechanisms inside the tank that help you know, reduce carryover out of the tank of oil. So it's really a whole system. Um, we can provide a lot of good information. Again, a lot of times though, you know, we can't, it's hard to operate by braille. So we fall back on the experience. We can put together a lot of combinations for most engines. So, you know, it's really beyond, you know, we've got to go hunt the internet and come up with every particular detail. We know what works in a lot of cases, you know, mm -hmm. in our tanks, you know, we build them in six, seven and a half and nine inch diameters, gives us about 27 different combinations of capacity and a variety of dimensional configurations to ensure that one way or another, you can fit that tank in the car somewhere, because obviously all of this stuff is foreign to the engine compartment. So, I mean, we're trying to stick a pump on the side of an engine where what about that steering linkage? What about that, you know, that upper A arm, the lower A arm, you know, the air conditioning unit, the who the heck knows what. Tanks are the same way. There's never enough room. So, but you know, trying to build the flexibility into the system from you know modularity and oil pump construction, modularity and tank construction, all of the different parts in between. We work with any number of different, you know, other suppliers that give us plenty of good information on drives, on balancer assemblies, on filtration and things like that. You know, trying to be the, you know, the point where it all comes together, where we can try and provide whoever's trying to assemble this thing, you know, the best componentry to service their application. And that's really what it is. It's driven by the application. It's the ability to suit the particular application's requirements for oil delivery, for temperature tolerance, for, you know, for, Anything you can imagine. Yeah, you know, Jack, um, you know, as a former president of Carilla Industries, um, talk about what John has to offer and, and whether whether I'm a racer and don't really realize just how important his systems are, or I'm an engine builder and I'm looking for a great solution for my customers to be able to make things work in their particular applications. Well, the thing is with the, the, the oil pump system, there's several available. John's John's program has worked towards what he pointed out with regards to versatility and, a, and covers, a, I think, the, probably the broadest spectrum of, of any oil pump supplier in the industry. But the theory is all the same. The oil pump does two things. It supplies the oil to the bearings primarily, and of course, secondarily, the flow of oil. You need to know what it does. The oil not only is a lubricant, but it's a coolant. And without the ability to cool the oil, I mean, without the oil being able to cool the interior, water doesn't mean a you know a damn thing. It doesn't it doesn't do anything. So, the efficiency of an uninterrupted oil supply to a bearing surface uh, is the longevity of the engine. There's no two ways about it. And the net result is is that uh, positive displacement pump, as John supplies, um, compensates for the errors of a uh, of a conventional oiling system you can't compensate for you know whether the thing is accelerating g-forces laterally or, or longitudinally or um and what you do in an oil pump is of course uh, uh external oil pump is you you cover those potential errors and that's uh 
um, that's the reason behind any of the you know external oil pumps. And like I say, they uh, in in my business um, for years, and I worked with I worked with our mutual friend Sonny Bryant as well, and um, we lived and died by the supply of oil, unfortunately. And uh, um, as I said, the, most of the failures that are either you know, blamed on crank failure, rod failure, anything that is under forced lubrication uh, is generally a, a bearing failure or more particularly an oil supply, either through, through uh, intermittent or through aeration or something that's going to uh, uh, interrupt what you refer to as a hydroelastic wedge that's generated in most internal combustion engines today. Here's an interesting comment uh, from the chat. Mike Murphy says, John is great to deal with. Not only does he know his, I'll leave that out. He's always willing to talk me through my installation of an LS motor. I've been trying to shoehorn into a Porsche Cayman and uh, <laughs> which is great but that goes to you know your system is modular I mean there's a lot of different options that you have that that help people do things like this right John oh yeah no and a lot of that's where we build our standard pans because LS is a classic example of here we got this this bomb that we can stick anywhere kind of maybe sometimes we hope well if not let's get the cutting torch out because it's cheap horsepower and you know the pans we build are basic pans. We know the kind of pans we need to build. Typically, minimum depth. We build most of them out of, pan, out of steel pan cores, but we do build some billet pans for certain applications. We leave a lot of the pan work, you know, you know, especially anything that gets into real custom requirements to the aluminum fabricated, you know, pan fabricators because they have the wherewithal and flexibility to do. But you know, for most common installations. We can at least give you a basic package that like in a lot of the transplant markets and <clears throat> a lot of the refit markets will work and work, you know, quite successfully in most racing thing, you know, applications because they're, you know, we're all built with, you know, the proper componentry, the proper locations for the componentry, the windage screens, scrapers, screen pickups, you know, we don't build an oil pan that doesn't have a screen pickup. We like protecting our pumps too much. But, you know, as it, what people have to understand, we both build the oil, the screens and the pans to filter the oil. We keep it to keep, you know, we put them in there to keep the chunks out of the pump that'll stop the pump from running. Hopefully while you figure out that you've got, you know, pieces coming apart somewhere and you shut it down before you melt it down. So, but yeah, it's, you know, we've got, we've got four different ways we test oil pumps. And it kind of applies across the board. You know, at you know, Pocono, we do endurance testing in the school cars where they rebuild their oil pumps once every 12,500 miles, whether they need it or not. Uh, we do the tractor pulling quite passionately because, I mean, you ever seen somebody take one of the oil pumps, poor little oil pump that's about this side, again, size against one of those motors, and you take it, you know, you take a mallet to it, basically. <laughs> Um, offshore marine, the oil doesn't know where it's going. Forward, backwards, left, right, up, down, circular motions as we flip across the wave. If we can control the oil and maintain pressure there, we're, you know, we're just fine. And then getting back to my Bonneville example, we love going to Bonneville where, I mean, what you do to an engine putting your foot into it for seven miles uh, full throttle is, <laughs> could, be, could be considered metal abuse, I guess, or something like that. But 
we seem to manage to deal with all of it. So yeah, you got a lot of fun doing it. It's it, first of all, it's interesting how much tractor pulling um, that we've talked about this week on online race industry week. But um, you know, Jack, I want to ask you. He was talking about just different demands on engines and, and what's going on. I mean, heck, sometimes people are, you know, turning engines in a direction that maybe they weren't designed to be because that's the way it fits in the race car, but maybe that changes the way the oil moves and all of that. So having a system like what Aviate can, can offer to people, you know, things people need to think about, I guess, when it comes to building engines, Jack. Well, as I said, the, the, the fact that you're, I mean, you're supplying oil directly without interruption. And, and like the, the two things that, that uh, um, or, you know, and it could be through aeration or cavitation or whatever the case may be, um, where you, it doesn't take very long, instantaneous, if you will, to damage a bearing, uh, turning at 7,000 RPM, 8,000, 9,000, even higher, uh, people don't realize the fact that um, you're using the, the oil strength to sustain the bearing on a wedge and it's sucking the temperature out at the same time. And so you need to keep that oil flowing. The, the delta on a bearing typically, either a rod bearing or main bearing, is about 50 degrees going across. The, so if you've got an indicated oil, oil temperature in the 220, 230 range, which is certainly acceptable, it's doing its work up to 280. When you start getting 250, 270, and you break down the timing, in other words, the oil, the inter, oil flow becomes intermittent, your bearing doesn't last very long. And the minute the thing starts to degradate, it doesn't come back. Uh, once you start to displace the geometry of the surface of the bearing, um, the ship has sailed and uh, um, the, you, know, you, you can't repair it uh, uh, while the engine is running. So it's, you know, it's absolutely, any, any serious racer uh, that has the opportunity where, where rules don't restrict you, um, a uh, uh, external oil pump is is a necessity, and everybody, you know, if the first thing you look at with regards to exterior oil pumps is, as I said, the 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 sure oil flow. People a lot of times don't take into consideration, of course, the higher echelon racers do, but you also, depending on the oil pump system, you generate vacuum. Uh, vacuum in a crankcase is is can be a very strong advantage. Uh, uh, the more vacuum you put in the engine, and there are restrictions of you get anything over eight, 10, 12 inches, you're, you're, you're using too much power. But when you have vacuum in a, in a crankcase, you can reduce the oil tension. I mean, the, the ring tension, which reduces the friction. And it's conceivable that with a well-designed oil pump, um, it's easily generate 15, 20 horsepower out of a seven, 800 horsepower motor by an efficient vacuum system, which once again, another advantage of the external oil pump. Wow, uh, John, I know our time is a little bit limited here, but you know, for uh, any builder or any racer uh, who is watching right now, um, maybe just something that you want them to know, or if they want to you know, kind of peruse around and, and, and maybe do a little bit of self-educating, first of all, what can they do? How can Aviate help them? Well, basically just, you know, under, you know understanding what lubrication is all about. I mean, we get a lot of people that call up and say, well, I heard if I drop my oil pressure five, or, you know, five PSI, you know, I'm going to make five more horsepower. Okay, great. In the context of a 500 horsepower motor, it's either that or you hand yourself, you know, you, <laughs> what's left of the engine after you discover it was a lot more sensitive to that pressure reduction than it was that horsepower gain. 
So, but you know, we, we have a catalog of parts. Um, sometimes it can be a little confusing, but we do we do a lot of standardization, basic pump packages, basic system packages for different engine combinations. Um, additional components allow you to kind of you know flex your muscle and fit certain circumstances, angulation of port inlets and port outlets, tank sizes, uh, pan configurations. Um, but you know the engine builder is really kind of where it, the engine bearer builder wears the hat. He's the guy, whoever it is that decides, we can advise. And that's, uh, you know, one of the things we're in a realm now where, you know, it can get dangerous. I mean, we do a lot of high vacuum engines. What people don't realize is that as you take that air out, the air that was the wind edge, all the oil precipitates out. Now you're talking about cylinder wall lubrication issues, but piston piston dome uh, temperature consideration, pin bearing, uh, you know, pin seizures and the rods. And then, you know, you just get into a whole different world of, you know, of engine building to bring about some of these additional benefits. But it all comes back, what we really want to do is make sure that you get proper lubrication. Last thing I ever wanted to do when I started playing race car was worry about the doggone oil pressure gauge, so. <laughs> Yeah, you just want to make sure that the needle is is not not all the way on the wrong side of it for sure. And the, what, and the money stayed in my pockets. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, uh, uh, well, well, John, uh, Jack, I mean, I, we probably could have sat here, uh, you know, for five or six hours talking about this. I'm sure, and still continue to learn something new. But um, you know, with Aviate, uh, you know, what you offer is invaluable to racers and to engine builders and all of that. And I would encourage people again to go to epartrade.com, go to your page and be able to connect with you directly, but really appreciate just, um, you know, a little bit of education, a little bit of talking about your product here this afternoon as well. Thank you so much. Hey, it's been my pleasure. Love the platform. We've been in, you know, we've been at PRI forever. And this is certainly uh, be interesting to see how it progresses, but it's certainly a new place to go. Still, I, technically I'm retired, but I'll tell you what, I, I'm born in the industry. I've never got out of it and uh, very well done. I think you I'm started the industry. Part of it. Yeah. yeah, man. Thank, well, thank you, you John. A fine job. Excellent job. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Thank you, John. We really appreciate uh, you guys being a part of Online Race Industry Week. Francis? <laughs> thank you very much. much. Uh, what a pleasure to have you on. And, and again, thank you for being, you know, a supporter of us since day one. And, and really, uh, you know, without your help, without your support, uh, and all of you out there, we would never be anywhere close to where we are right now and able to offer you this wonderful event. Registering on ePartrade is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose Claim Company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose Join Company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here.
If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.